No, it should be. Grace and peace upon you, Fresno First family. Good morning. Good morning. And joy to you. Uh, you know, I, I say grace and peace every, every Sunday morning. And I want to give a little background. I'll be reviewing this throughout the year. Um, it's a blessing that God's grace may saturate each and every one of you as well as this space. And then peace that I speak of is not the peace that we, that we see around us. It's the peace that comes from God that brings wholeness. So in other words, grace and peace upon you means may you be saturated with the grace of God and may it make you whole. Amen. So with that, let's go to the Lord as his people of prayer. prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's almost unimaginable that we can come to you, God, creator of all things, the God of all creation, the God of all wonder. And we thank you for your forgiveness that comes through your son. We thank you for making us alive and in your spirit within us. And, and we worship you and we worship you alone. And we ask that, or we thank you for making us on purpose and for purpose. And Lord, we also ask for your forgiveness when we, when we navigate through life and and we do so without thought of you because of our pride, of our ego, of just our self-sufficiency. And Lord, we ask that, that you help us to forgive those that act prideful against us, that we may be, be able to see your image in them. And we ask you to be with our community and let Fresno first be a light, your light that provides a refuge to all those that are seeking. And we also ask you to hear the prayers of your people and those in our community and that you respond with your loving kindness and your grace. And, and again, Lord, we always ask that you lift up our leaders and speak to them, whether globally, nationally, or locally, that they would live out and establish 
and reveal your mercy and your justice. Impart upon us today and always your wisdom as we seek your will and give us the strength to carry that out, which we need. And we ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. <clears throat> well, the, uh, we are going to be in, uh, in our hymns this morning. So if you have a hymn, go ahead and pull that out. We're also going to have the words on the screen. And uh, please turn to hymn 438. Hebrews 9.12 states, He entered the most holy place for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. See, it's the blood of Jesus who is forever, who always is, and who always will be. And his blood never loses its power. It's the power that gives us forgiveness of our sins. It's the power that reminds us of who we are. It's the power that lets us be adopted as children of God. So let's go ahead and, and stand as we go and sing to the Lord. And that blood that, that soothes our doubts and calms our fears. And that dries every one of our tears.
that blood that never loses its power, that, that now we belong to Jesus. The, whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. And so let us sing, Now I Belong to Jesus. It's found in him 417. So for our missions moment, I've been, I was praying and seeking God, which is a good thing, and I encourage all of us to do it on a regular basis. <laughs> and it's been a while since we prayed for those in the Ukraine that continue to be affected by the war between Ukraine and Russia. And this past week was one of the most horrific attacks on civilians in, in almost a year. Um, in fact, it was the deadliest attack in in a long time. 45 people lost their lives, including six children, and with almost 80 people have uh, been reported to, be, to have injury. 
they're still searching fervently for those bodies under the wreckage and, and have moved over 10 tons of rubble from this missile strike. Over 400 people have lost their lives. Over 300 homes have been either completely destroyed or ruined beyond repair. And so this morning, we want to just lift up our, our prayers to the Lord that, that He would be with those that are affected by this violence. Pray with me. Lord, we love You. You are the God of peace. You are the God of wholeness. You are the God of shalom. And we ask that you, your presence be known as we call on your holy name to bring your wholeness to those affected in Ukraine. Tend to those afflicted by the violence in the region and, and be near the families who have lost loved ones. Be close to those that are need comfort. Heal those that have been injured, Lord. And strengthen the workers and the volunteers. They're working tirelessly and giving all they have, and then some, to rescue those survivors and do so with hope. And enliven the hearts of the community, especially your body in the Ukraine, to tend to those that have physical needs, those that are displaced, those without homes, those without food and for water, Lord that they would extend your hospitality and your gentleness and your compassion, that they would unite together and reveal to all those that they're in the midst of darkness, there is light and there is hope because you are the God of hope. And Lord, we just ask that your church, whether in the Ukraine or here, can continue to be ambassadors of peace and healing and wisdom and bring safety to that region. And we thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? And uh, we are going to be in hymn 650. Uh, John uh, 413 shares that <clears throat> I will come back and take you with me. You know, we, we sing of God's mercy. We sing of his love. We sing of his grace. And, and we need to remember that this is not the end. For it is in eternity that all of us who put our faith in Christ will spend. So let's sing and rejoice when we all get to heaven.
seated. And here's something to, to ponder. As Olivia, would you please come forward for the offering? <clears throat> you think you're going to recognize them? In heaven, think about that. If we can't recognize him and his movement and miracles here on earth, maybe we need to look a little harder because when we all get to heaven, we get to see Jesus. And that is going to be a day of victory. say a blessing for our offerings. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for all that you give us, Lord, and sometimes we concentrate on what we don't have instead of what we do have, and we owe all that to you. You take care of the birds, the animals, Lord. How are you not going to take care of us? And we just need to be grateful and appreciate all that you do for us, even when we don't see it, Lord. And we thank you for giving us that, and we just want to give you a small portion of what you ask, Lord, and it's not much. Sometimes it seems like so, but it's not. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and greet one another. That's called passing the peace. And uh, go up to someone and ask them about the weather. It's definitely changed, and it's chilly.
All right, church family, we got a couple of announcements. One of them, the I want to I want to thank Joseph for just uh, for bringing the donuts this morning. Thank you, sir. That's filling our bellies, and that's good. And now we're going to be continue to be filled with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, so. We got some cool announcements. Sunday school planning is going to be February 5th, and it's going to be Sunday school time from 9.30 to 10.30, and, and everybody is invited and encouraged to participate. Uh, amen. Uh, the more voices we have, the more we'll hear the Holy Spirit through us, right? And so I ask everybody to pray into that for wisdom and discernment and to, to have a heart that, that begins to see... Um, not obstacles or whatever is supposed to be, but but discerns and relies on God's wisdom and discernment to go ahead and have a grander vision and an openness to that. Uh, we uh, we got uh, Bible studies that are coming up. We're gonna and Sunday school as well. Uh, we're gonna have all of them hybrid. And so if someone gets sick, if uh, our Bible study is in the evening, if someone can't make it because of distance or driving at night, I don't know about y'all, but when I drive at night now, it's sometimes it's a little harder. And so I try not to drive at night as often as I used to. So uh, all the Bible studies are going to be online and we have a praise report. Uh, there's more people signing up for the, uh, for the prayer chain. And so if you're not on the prayer chain, grab a connection card, fill it out. If you have a prayer that you want on the prayer chain, grab a connection card, fill it out. And if you don't want to do that, talk to Timmy or myself. Uh, and uh, we announced last week, we've got one more week for the uh, surveys. They're due next week, and that's like a hard stop. And so if you do have surveys this morning, give them to Timmy. Uh, she was voluntold to collect them. And we'll go ahead and make sure they're in a secure location. And if you're new, welcome. We do ask you to fill out a connection card so that we can stay connected and uh, follow up. And I promise not to send you spam. So with that, if you have your Bibles or your apps, we're back in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, as we continue our Faith in Action series you know, last week we spoke about this faith, about this persevering faith, this tell death do us part faith. And this morning we're going we're gonna to piggyback on that as we look at life's tests and trials and challenges. And we're going to do so by asking ourselves, what do I do to navigate life's challenges when I don't have all the answers? When I don't know what to do. You know, it reminds me of a, a story between a professor and a student. And the <clears throat> it's finals week. And the student wants to get a good grade and makes an appointment and goes see the professor and, and walks in and asks the professor, hey, you know what, I, I really want to study for the finals. It's, uh, this is, you know, this is the last grade and I, I just, I'm, I'm nervous. I need to know what to do, and I need your advice. I need some wisdom. And, and before the professor could even open his mouth, the student begins to tell the professor all the things the student has been doing to prepare for the exam, all the things that the student has done all week or all semester long, and begins to tell the professor what should be on the exam and how the student has prepared for what 
the student thinks should be on the exam. And the professor can't get a word in edgewise. This student is just a monologue, just rambling. And so after a few moments or minutes, the professor kind of, all right, just listening. The student's rambling on, rambling on, and goes over and grabs a couple of coffee mugs and sets them on a table and goes and gets a coffee pot. Student is, is telling the professor everything the professor needs to know to make sure the test is good, uh, sharing that the student is getting a 4.0 and, and needs to maintain the 4.0 because the student is, is applying for a scholarship and is going to go to university next year, probably Fresno State. And, <clears throat> and the professor is just looking at the student. Staring at the student, keep talking, and the professor starts pouring coffee in one of the mugs. And the coffee cup fills up. Coffee cup starts overflowing. Starts overflowing over the table. Starts running into the floor. And the professor just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. And the student finally stops, says, what do you think you're doing? Do you even see? Are you paying attention to what's going on? You're making a huge mess. The professor, very calmly, professor-like, sets the, the coffee pot down and, and then begins to share that and tells the, the student that you cannot fill what is already full and to gain wisdom, to gain understanding. Sometimes we need to empty ourselves so that we can be filled with what we're asking for. And see, you came to me and you asked for wisdom and you asked for advice. But all you've been doing is sharing your own knowledge. You don't want what I have. You're already overflowing with yourself. And so it's oftentimes when we, when we, when we go to God and we come into these situations where we don't know how to navigate life's challenges, tests, and trials, we go and we, we seek God and, and like the student, we begin to tell God what we think is going to happen what we've done to prepare ourselves for what we think is going to happen. And then we ask God for what he thinks, but we don't stop to listen. We don't stop to receive. And that's where we're going this morning is, is we're, we're going to go ahead and look. And when we do seek God, what is the posture in which we take? Is it a posture of that I know everything or is it a posture of humility? that earnestly seeks God, that we, may be, that we may admit that we don't know everything, that we empty what we think we know and the wisdom that we have and be filled with God's wisdom and then apply it in our lives. And we're also going to piggyback on last week's sermon with that persevering of faith, that tell death do us part, that our faith would become mature and lacking nothing. And if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? James 1, 5 through 11. <clears throat> if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, 
Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like the wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You see, God gives wisdom and abundance to all who ask. and, And that wisdom from God, when we ask, needs to come from a place of humility. Because it takes humility to admit maybe we don't know everything and can navigate every single problem that we run into life. And when we become humble, we become teachable. We, we, we stop instructing God on how to do God's job and how to run things. And when we become humble and teachable, we, be, we learn to trust God, which is often easier said than done. And we trust God that not only is he going to go and provide us wisdom, he's going to provide us wisdom that, that we ask for. And when we become humble, and when we learn to trust God, we become willing. We become willing to apply the wisdom that God asks. You know, our text shares that, that um, God gives us wisdom to help help us uh, persevere and endure those life's troubles, that when we go in and we're facing a situation that we don't understand, that we can go to God and he's going to give us what we need to, to navigate that challenge or test or, or trial in our life. And, and that helps us to persevere in our faith. And it's through God's wisdom that we, we learn that we can, we can see the miracle. We get, to, we get to see the promise of God, that promise that one day, or, or if we endure and persevere, that our faith will be mature, our faith will be complete. But that means that we, we're going to be facing stuff that we may not know how to do by ourselves. And we don't want to be like the student that just tells God, this is what I'm facing and this is what needs to be done. And let me tell you what I've done, prepare my life to get through it. This is when we become humble and we ask Him. And then we can, with God, navigate those situations. You know, the, how many times do we feel like we're, we're inadequate when we face life's challenges and tasks and, and tests in life? And maybe we go back to those old default settings and, and that is how we've always gone ahead and done things. And when I'm faced with, with this, when I need to go ahead and, and put something into the wall, I just grab my hammer, even if what I'm putting in is a screw, because I've always used a hammer. When I come up to a situation and I don't know which way to turn, I always turn right, because if I'm lost, if I turn right enough times, I'm going to find out that I'm where I'm at. And we don't even ask God to give us wisdom, to help us not be lost, but to be found. 
Or sometimes it just feels like we, we get into the situation, we don't have the right words, the right know-how, or we don't even know what it, what it takes to be on the right path as we face these challenges in life. And when we begin to ask us, ourselves these questions, we need to remember that we worship a God that is all-knowing. We worship a God that gives generously of his wisdom and wants to lavish us generously with that. Another um, fuller reading of verse 5 would be, if you lack any wisdom, ask God and he gives generously and ungrudgingly. So let's consider what James is proposing because it's foundational to the context of this letter. Remember, he's writing to these Christians that are in these unimaginable circumstances of persecution. They're scattered all over the region. They can't even really communicate with each other. They're in, in, in areas that are unfamiliar. They're facing challenges that they've never faced before. They're, they don't even have defaults for this. They can't go to the temple. They can't go to church. They can't pick up a phone. So what do they do? James says to go to God. And, and by instructing them to go ahead and go to God to seek wisdom, they're going to learn that their faith can grow. That they can go ahead and navigate any of these life, life circumstances. And when we do, and then also that when we do face these challenges that, that we have in, the, in life and we go to God, there's two things we need to remember. One, our tests, our trials, and our challenges, when we go to God for his wisdom, it's open book. We got the Bible. We got the Holy Spirit. God doesn't go ahead and give us a test or a trial and have us try to just take the best guess. He actually has our best interest at heart. And he wants us to succeed. And he wants to be with us during this. You know, we don't have to try to write the answers on our hands or up our sleeves like we did when we were kids. We just turn and go like, is it A, B, or C? Huh, okay, is it D? All the above. You know, and when we do that, <clears throat> we find that he gives abundantly. He gives generously. And it's all sufficient. And it's by the grace that he gives us. And it helps us to persevere. It helps us to find the fullness of life. And God does this amazingly in three different ways. <clears throat> See, God is the one that is the giver. And we need to remember that we are the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is the teacher. Right? Amen. We don't teach Jesus. I can't tell Jesus anything that he already doesn't know, right? Amen. But how often do I forget that? I need to start working on my memory a little bit. Um, and it's, it's not just that God continues to, or gives of what we need, and it's, um, hey, you know what? I need a rock. And God goes, here's a rock. God just keeps giving them. And he gives generously and he keeps giving and he gives with abundance. And, and, and sometimes when God gives us what we ask for, it's like a light bulb. And all of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, aha, I can't believe that I didn't think of that. That makes so much sense. That's exactly, 
Thank you, Lord. Has anybody ever like been in that situation? We ask God for something. He gives it and like, wow, I, that's the most obvious choice. Yeah, some of us have done that. And then some of us, we seek God and we're asking for wisdom and we're thinking, that isn't going to work. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because sometimes God's wisdom is, is confusing or is contrary to our thinking, to our understanding. Because it doesn't fit with the mindset of maybe how we were raised. It doesn't fit into our life experiences. It doesn't fit into what the world does and what the world sees and, and all the influences we have day in and day out. And this is when we begin to learn to trust God. We learn to know that God is God and we're not. Amen, that maybe God knows things that I don't know. I can't tell you how many situations I've been in where it's, Lord, what do you want me to do? This makes no sense. I'll do it. Amen. And then guess what happens? Something happens, some circumstance happens that because I followed God's wisdom, it navigated and circumvented those troubles and those pitfalls I would have easily fallen into. You know, and then when things seem foreign, do you think that God put us alone? No. He put us in a body, right? So if we're facing a challenge and God gives us some wisdom and we don't know how to use it, then maybe we can go to a sister or we can go to a brother and ask them, hey, this is what I'm facing. I've been praying. This is what I'm hearing God say. Can you pray along with me to see if God's saying the same thing to you? And by the way, what do I do with that? Going back to the hammer and the screw, you know? If, if all you know is a hammer and there's a screw in the wall and you ask God for, you know, how do I go ahead and insert this screw and God gives you a screwdriver and you've never seen one before, it may look like a banana. How does that go ahead and put that thing into the wall? So we go to someone else that goes, oh yeah, that's called a screwdriver and this is how you use it. And it goes in. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. The, um, and so wisdom comes from God. Sometimes it can take a while to fully comprehend. And it means sometimes we got to sit on it. Sometimes when we sit on it, we have to ask him how to apply it. And then we need to follow his directions. And that's tough. Because after we follow the directions, sometimes there's a waiting period before we see what happens. So I have a friend of mine that shared with me when we face these situations, we pause, we pray, and then we proceed. So everybody say pause. pause. Pray. pray. Proceed. proceed. So when we run into a situation that we don't know what to do, we just pause, pray, and proceed. We stop what we're doing. We ask God, and so we don't make matters worse. We ask God what to do. And then once he gives us what, what he wants us to do, then we proceed. You know, the, an example of that is most of us are accustomed now that we got phone or apps on our phones that tell us where to go. And I, I even got one on my Harley. And even coming home, and I've been on, I've, I know how to get from Northern California to my doorstep, uh, but I still use an app. 
And, you know, I don't even have to think about it, but I still use it. And every so often, that app will tell me to take a turn that, that I know will not get me to my house. And so what do I do? I got a choice. I can mindlessly go the same route that I've always taken to get to my house, or I can listen to something that maybe has some information I don't have. And so what I might not realize is maybe there's construction. Maybe there's a roadblock. Maybe there's a detour. Maybe all of a sudden there's a cliff. And if I keep going, I'm going to go right off. But if I listen to that, and instead of challenging it, maybe, maybe I'll get home safer and faster than I ever thought I could. You know, God does the same thing with his wisdom. He goes ahead and, and sometimes will say, I know that this is the route that you always take, but there's some construction ahead. There's some obstacles ahead. Maybe we need to go ahead and just take a different route this time. Don't worry about it. Let me drive. I can take care of that. <clears throat> you know, and, and in that, the Apostle Paul gives, shares some wisdom. And it's 1 Corinthians 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. <clears throat> because I was a child, and I even reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away my childish things. See, God's wisdom has a purpose to, to give us maturity that we can go ahead and endure and persevere in life. And that means that sometimes God's wisdom is going to challenge our past experiences. It's going to challenge those defaults. It's going to challenge our, I know what to do in this situation because I've been in this situation a million times. And it reminds us that maybe Maturity is understanding that we embrace humility and seek God regardless of the situation that we're in, even if it's familiar. You know, because if we, if we stop trusting God, if we stop relying on Him, if we stop um, asking God for wisdom, all we're doing is living into Albert Einstein's uh, understanding of, of insanity, and that's just doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. It just doesn't work that way. And then God also gives us uh, the grace and wisdom to, to all who ask. And, and it's cool that when we look at this text, we see that God doesn't discriminate on the wisdom that he gives out. God will give wisdom and grace for anybody who asks. And we see this just dripping all through Scripture. He gives wisdom to the believer and the non-believer alike. He gives grace to the believer and the non-believer alike. And we see this in the words of Jesus in Matthew 45, that Jesus shares that, that God causes the sun to rise and the sun to set on those that are evil and those that are good. That God will water the crops and the fields and the pastures of those who are righteous and those that are unrighteous. You see, when we think about that and we think about truth and we think about wisdom, all true and a true truth wisdom, not man-made wisdom, but God-given wisdom comes from God. And this allows... <clears throat> that the call to live by faith is extended to all peoples. 
to all times, to all situations, even those that don't believe in God. And it's just a different way of thinking about it because by giving wisdom to all peoples, God is doing two things. He is preparing his creation for his return. And the second, by giving people grace, by giving his, him wisdom, he invites everybody to know him. So maybe when we get wisdom from God and it challenges our thinking, maybe there's a greater plan because God's ways are just higher than our ways. God sees what we can't see. And when we trust in him and we learn to apply it, we begin to see the miracles and work of Christ. Amen. You know, we, when we all get to heaven, are we going to recognize Jesus? Amen. Well, when we apply God's wisdom to our life, we begin to see the movement of Christ and his Holy Spirit within us and around us. And maybe it'll be a little easier to recognize Jesus when we see him on that day of victory. So have you ever asked, have you ever asked God for wisdom? Yeah. Some of us have. Maybe some of us haven't. Here's a question, though. Do you really believe that God will give you wisdom into all circumstances that you're asking? I mean, really believe. Not the just kind of give a little like, sure. And here's the thing. If you can't believe that God will give you wisdom in every single life circumstances that you ask, I challenge you to ask, ask yourself, what areas of my life can I ask God for wisdom that I can go ahead and rely on? Not in a testing God sort of way, but in a maturing kind of way, a trusting kind of way, a setting our thought patterns aside kind of way. You know, maybe I can trust God for, to give me wisdom in my job. Or maybe to cook a new meal. Maybe I can trust God to, to give me the wisdom to get through this financial difficulty that I'm facing. Or how to handle this unique individual that seems to always be rubbing me the wrong way. You know, if we can trust God in those small things, that trust will build upon each other. And that is how our faith becomes mature and our faith begins to lack nothing. But the question is, if we're willing to ask, it means that are we willing to be humble? Are we humble enough to receive God's wisdom? And are we humble enough to apply God's wisdom into our life? Because it's one thing to ask. It's another to receive, and it's another to apply. And we need to remember that God gives wisdom with compassion. And that's the, the third aspect of, of God giving wisdom uh, that we're going to be looking at this morning, along with a, a few other things here in a minute. Uh, have you ever been in a pinch and you just, and you can raise your hands, have you ever been in a pinch and called somebody for advice? Maybe mom or dad, maybe called your kids, you know? How do I go ahead and get on the internet? The, I remember when we were growing up, or when my kids were growing up, I'd go to them on social media. What's Facebook? What's Twitter? 
And they're like, easy, Dad, it's this. I'm like, I don't know what this is. Here's my phone. Can you set it up for me? You know, but sometimes when we get into those pinches and we make those phone calls, or maybe we receive those phone calls, um, sometimes it's, we don't get the response that we want. Maybe we don't get the response that, that, that we need. And maybe it's the response is, yeah, what, what, what is it now? What mess have you gotten yourself into? What do I have to bail you out again? And in all honesty, whether we've said it or not, or we've heard it or not, that tone, that, or that mentality has probably, we've all been on both sides of that coin. We've been the ones that, oh gosh, I don't want to answer this phone call. I don't want to go into this meeting. What do they want now? Or we're going into the meeting and needing to ask again, hey, I need help. And then the response is unkind. You see, <clears throat> not God. Not God. Not God. God gives us wisdom without shoving our nose in it. <clears throat> because God wants us to endure. He wants us to succeed. And he wants us to do it with his help. And that means he wants us to ask him. He wants us to, to be intimate with him, to have that relationship with him. And he wants us to grow in our trust and our faith in him. And he wants us to apply his wisdom. And when we approach it with that tell death do us part and in reference to last week, we're a little quicker to ask God for wisdom and, and we're a little quicker to apply it. You know, along with this, so there's this fella and he's walking down this road and he's on this upper road and he, and he comes up to this fork in the road and there's this man standing at the fork. And the man says to the man on the, at the fork says to the man that's traveling down the road, he says, don't go down this lower road. There's a gorilla down there and it's angry and it wants to beat you up. And the man on the road looks at the man at the fork and thinks to himself, I've never seen a gorilla in person and up close. I think I'm going to go take that road. <clears throat> Meets a gorilla. The gorilla's angry. It beats up the, the man on the road, and the man crawls back up to the upper road and, and continues down the path. Comes to another fork. Same man that was at the other fork. Kind of funny that. And the man is there, and, and the man on the road says, which road do I take? And the man at the fork says, stay on the upper road. Don't go down the lower road. There's an angry gorilla down there that wants to fight, and it's going to beat you up. Well, I almost beat it last time. <laughs> Heads down the lower road. Meets a gorilla. The gorilla's angry. The gorilla beats him up. He crawls back up to the upper road. Walks down the road. Comes to a fork in the road. There's a man there. Which road do I take? And the man says, stay on the upper road. Don't go down the lower road. There's a gorilla down there that's angry, wants to fight, and is going to beat you up. Now, this can happen time and time again. 
Maybe we've faced this in our lives and we face these circumstances in our lives, time where we just keep taking the lower road because if I can just do it again and do it one more time and I can do it right, I know I can beat that gorilla. Maybe I'll take a baseball bat this time. Maybe I'll take this. And all the while we have this man who compassionately and lovingly gives us wisdom when we ask. Stay on the upper road. You know, see, maybe after getting beat up by the gorilla enough, we get some humility knocked into us. And we learn to be humble enough to listen to the man at the fork. And, and hopefully we're going to come to the conclusion that if we can stay on the upper road, God's road, <clears throat> that God will direct our paths. And maybe we don't have to face that gorilla anymore. Sometimes in our challenges, we, we face them and say, my God is greater and my God's going to beat that gorilla up. When God is saying, really, just you don't even have to face the gorilla. Because that's not what I have planned for you. I have planned for you to stay on this upper road. And that just, it's another reason for this death to us part faith that, that refocuses and reorients us to not doubt God that he has our best interest at heart. And when we do that, we, we become teachable, we become humble, and we become right-sized. And then we begin to ask God, which road do I take? And we don't hold back. And we don't doubt him because we understand that God is not a harsh father that's going to hold the fact that we kept going down that, that lower road time and again and hold it as punishment over our heads. See, God's wisdom saves us. It shows us that the, the better road to take and the wiser way to live. And, and then James moves into that wisdom challenges, <clears throat> challenges our humility. You know, James states that we're to ask in faith and not to doubt. And in this, when we look at don't doubt, it means don't be double-minded. Which when you translate it, it means don't be two-souled. Don't have a divided soul. In our modern language, we would say, don't be two-faced. Uh, when I was growing up, and so this was like back in the day, there was a, a movie. It was called Dr. Doolittle. It wasn't a cartoon. It was just it was a regular. And the doctor who had the, the big, huge, huge professor hat on. And he had a push-me-pull-you. And it was just a llama creature that had two heads. Right? And it didn't go anywhere because both sides wanted to take charge. It was divided. It was a divided soul. It was two-faced. It, it, was, it couldn't get along with itself because both sides wanted to take charge. And in that, it couldn't accomplish what it needed to accomplish. And that's what James is talking about. When we, when we doubt God will accomplish what he wants, what we're really saying is, God, I'm going to give you as much as I can, but I really don't trust you enough. I trust myself. And so... I want to go this way. You're saying to go that way. I'm going to ask you what, what I need to do. But I don't know if, if we're going to do that. I need to be the one in charge. So instead of Jesus, you take the wheel. Jesus, why don't you just be my co-pilot? And I'm going to take us for a ride. 
And eventually we find out that we have no direction and we don't know what we're doing. And as James um, shares, you know, that we become like this rogue wave or the tsunami that's driven by the wind and, and havoc of destruction because we're driven by our own will. We're driven by our old habits. We're driven by our old experiences, our old way of doing things. And we're driven by our doubts that God is God. And when we begin to doubt, when we don't know if God can actually pull it through, we really need to begin to ask ourselves is, who's in charge of my life? Is it God? Is it me? And have a heart-to-heart come-to-Jesus moment because we either trust God or we don't trust God. There's really not a middle ground in that. We don't trust God as far as we can throw him. All right? If we need wisdom and he gives it to us, we're either going to trust him or we're not going to trust him. And that's why I was saying, if you can't really trust God all the way for all areas of your life, start with those areas that you truly can ask God and trust him without being double-minded, without having a divided soul. And in that, we're going to find these, these miracles of his grace and his wisdom and an increased faith. And then the more, the more wisdom he gives us and the more we apply it pretty soon, it's almost like the, the drought we had, right? And those first rains. And the ground just soaked it up as if it hadn't drank rain in a long time. <clears throat> But when our loyalties are torn between trusting God and ourselves is what we're talking about. We can't help to be unstable. You know, the, in other words, if we're not turning to God for our security, we're turning to the world for our security. And if we're doing that, we're not going to be secure at all. Again, we're going to be like a rogue wave that's going to go and like a tsunami that... that reaps destruction and havoc in all that get in our path because we're pushed by our own self-will and our own self-determination because we refuse to trust God fully. You know, in our tests and, and in our trials, in the challenges that we face in our life, <clears throat> we can say we believe in God and, and then try to live separately. But when we do that, we really show that we neither believe in God or we, and we neither are living in the fullness of who we think we are. Because there's a truth that we need to remember. God is everything or God is nothing. God leaves no wiggle room or gray area in that. His wisdom is true all the time. Or it's never true. God is God. Or God is not God. God is not a semi-God. A sometimes God. Uh, when it's convenient God. He is either all God. All the time. Or he's not. And that's a decision that we need to ask ourselves. And sometimes the answers are difficult. And James moves to finish up his wisdom with the closing of this, this illustration that, that contrasts the circumstances in life with those first readers in which they could relate. 
See, we need to remember that James is speaking to those, those persecuted Christians that are facing these you know, unspeakable and insurmountable um, trials and challenges and tests of life. And, and most of those individuals, and came, well, they came from the church of Jerusalem. And they were pretty well off. They were upper class. They were merchant. They were middle class. They had funds. And they relied on those funds to help give them security. They had security of, of, this, of, of the temple. They had security of the church. And now they don't have that. They don't have jobs. Or they're eking by. They're at or below the poverty line. They're facing stuff that they'd have no experience. They can't go to the temple. They don't have a body in which they can go ahead and relate to. And... James is tying this imagery of the various trials to the congregation, those in which they're most likely facing. And it really comes down to the security of the world that is temporary, that only faith in God who, that gives wisdom, his wisdom, will help us navigate these challenges in life that we're going to face, that they are facing. James is letting them know that these temporary securities are nothing. That when they rely on God, it's everything. And then their faith is going to be mature because they're going to learn that God has not given up on them. That even in times of persecution, even in times of financial hardship, even in times losing all they have, including those they love, God has not left them and helped steer those troubled waters to navigate around the boulders so they don't crash the ship and so that they can prevail in their faith just like God wants us to prevail in ours. And James is reminding the, that God's wisdom brings contentment. We talked about that last week and when we are content in no matter the circumstances in which we face, there's a gift in that and it's joy. And that joy is a, is a power that gives us hope and reminds us that we are not alone. Regardless of our financial state, regardless of the state of the world, regardless of the state of the country, or regardless of the situations in which we find ourselves, we can be content through God's wisdom that helps navigate us through life, even when we don't know what to do. And so, as we close up, let us... Let's be reminded to seek God and his wisdom and humble ourselves to ask for it. Humble ourselves to trust in his wisdom. Humble ourselves to receive his wisdom. Humble ourselves to apply his wisdom and humble ourselves to persevere through his wisdom. And humble ourselves to be mature in our faith by his wisdom. So the challenge this week, we got five, and they're in um, the sermon notes. <clears throat> what areas of life do you need God's wisdom? Do you have a teachable and humble spirit? Uh, which do you trust more, yourself or God? If you ask God for wisdom, do you honestly believe he's going to provide for you no matter the circumstances? And if not, in what areas of your life do you believe God will provide wisdom to you? And then five, 
When God gives you wisdom to persevere in life's challenges, do you apply it? And with that, would you please stand to receive a blessing from our Lord? May you seek God and his wisdom in all areas of life. May you trust that God will give you wisdom. May you humble yourselves to receive and apply his wisdom. And may his wisdom mature your faith as you persevere and navigate life. As we connect, grow, and serve in our communities, you are sent. Amen. Amen. Go eat donuts. Hey, babe.